The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning. You're listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program. Today we're going to be playing some highlights from the 3CR fundraiser gig that was held at Hares and Hyenas Bookshop on the 29th of May. And I'm going to be playing some of the poetry of Judith Rodriguez. Another one of my um, co-presenters at 3CR Spoken Word, Di Cousins, will introduce our next amazing feature, Judith Rodriguez. Yes, isn't it great to be at Hares and Hyenas? Yeah. Yay! Thank you all for coming and what a great event and what a good cause supporting 3CR. Such a wonderful alternative voice in this desert of media moguls who are constraining what we know and what we hear. So thank heavens for 3CR. Yay! And um, it's my great joy to welcome um, one of Australia's great poets here, Judith Rodriguez. Um, and Judith's been writing poetry, I guess, all her life and um, many, many books, many, many poems, um, and also teaching. And in the teaching role, uh, she's done an enorm- made an enormous impact here in Melbourne, teaching at RMIT, at Deakin, and for a couple of decades at the council for adult education and that means that people who aren't enrolled in a university degree can attend classes with this very great poet and that includes me I was not studying I've got lots of degrees but I was but I was able to go to these CAE classes and um, study poetry and the writing of poetry with Judith so it's a wonderful thing that we can we can we do have this opportunity in Melbourne to study with Judith. Um, Judith's taught in many countries, including India and, I think, Canada, the Caribbean. Briefly, yes. So, and, um, and, and has done unusual things like write the libretto for the opera Lindy, about Lindy Chamberlain. And um, Judith's also a past president of Penn and goes every year to the Penn Congress in different countries all around the world. Penn is the organisation for writers in jail. So it's a very important organisation and we have a writer in jail in under Australia's watch and that's Beruz Bachani who's on Manus Island he's a Kurdish Iranian journalist and he's a pen prisoner of conscience writer in jail um, Judith is also past president of the Shakespeare Society and uh, on the committee and uh, is, is very much engaged in the promotion of reading Shakespeare so my great pleasure to invite Judith to the microphone and how great how great to be introduced by Di. Uh, 
If you get the Saturday paper, you can read Beruz Buchani's latest article. Wondering how to begin this, I started looking at Peter Davis's book, uh, Somethings of a Spectacular Sun, Cravings for a Spectacular Sun, and he begins with birds. So I thought I'd do a couple of little birdies. This one was written in Queensland on South Bank. Ibis at the cafe. Quite the handsomest of diners, this picky bird roaming among the chair legs. Big poised, probing, elegant, toes slightly turned in. Considered investigator of paving, he assesses the shaded street end of the cafe. A scavenger content to await the clientele's lunchtime plenty. Move, move for an image. He casually suctions a crumb. Ah, pads on. Is that another? <laughs> Your manoeuvre holds neither fear nor interest for the consummate South Bank citizen in his ground-level dining room. Uh, the next one's about something closer to home. That's the cockies that occasionally visit the trees opposite us. It's called Country Cousins. The suburb wakes to them, strident, sharp, not to be muffled. We have come. Their crowding whitens the rowan. Shreds from their harvest litter the road. Louder and louder, till stripping's done. Then off on swoop, bent on the next provisioned way stop. Community on the move, they loop, spread, head off north, south. That's it for today. This visitation is no descent of gods, no eagles these. Cockatoos don't give a damn for dignity. They're rallies partying in your yard. And who's to oust them? They shove, gorge, shout their news and views till the food gives out. <laughs> I mentioned our concerns at Penn uh, for writers in prison. At the last Congress, they put a picture of Ilham Toti, a Uyghur writer sentenced in a Chinese court to life imprisonment for separatism. They placed this portrait on an empty chair in the assembly hall. So I wrote, a picture of Ilham Toti. The writer in the empty chair looks at me. He looks at me out of his troubled eyes. He looks at me out of the day of his arrest. He looks at me out of a past hour, the hour of the rest of his life. He looks at me out of the jeers, the rifle butts, the prison. He did not know that when this image was made. He looks at me out of his broken life. He looks at me out of his persecuted family. He looks at me out of his banned language. He looks at me out of his destroyed books, out of the one never to be published. He looks at me out of his betrayed nation. He looks at me out of his humanity. He looks at me. The word after his last written word struggles to breathe between us. He looks at me silenced. The world's voices die. He is an image on cardboard placed on the chair where the man would have leaned, crossing his legs, 
riffling his MS, smiling a little, live, a man of words, ready to read. Nobody can look at the childish game being place, played about boat people with, with equanimity. I've written a cycle called Boat Voices, mostly keyed to newspaper quotes about it. I'd like to read you just one of these. It comes from a quote by a survivor of the sinking of the Sieve Epps. And the quote went, everywhere children were drowning. Those still alive saw bodies all around them. They littered the water. Wherever you looked, said one survivor, you see dead children like birds floating on the water. My poem reads, like birds floating on the water, the drowned children wash up on the mine's beach. Everywhere children were drowning and the politicians finding a prayer for the new morality. Save us from the dead children and their silent landfall. The sea gives up its innocence, buried or not buried, uncomforted, unnamed, they drift on inland. Secure in our sunlight, we survivors endure the dead children like birds floating as spaces among us. These the new Australians will never draw up to our table, will never walk tall in our cities, they have no memorial, but the love that could not hold them and the care that was their due. Each night floods our shores with their sodden wings. A few months ago, I was invited to write some poems about uh, a dead writer and uh, it suddenly occurred to me that I had met Ujuru several times. Um, she lived, of course, on Stradbroke Island across from Brisbane. And the place she lived was called Moon Galba. And uh, she would have been a young woman when I was a, a child. A young woman working with the army, working as a typist and stenographer. Um, an exceptional uh, Aboriginal woman. And of course her poems were first published in 1964. They were published first in the United States because she couldn't find a publisher here. Then they got published here. They've been a very successful publication, selling ever since. Um, I think that's enough to introduce uh, the poems, except that I do mention John Manifold a Brisbane poet, his family originating in the Western District of Victoria, but from a squatter family, he became a communist. So he settled in a weatherboard house in a seaside suburb of Brisbane and uh, indoctrinated uh, writers, no, workers, Aboriginals, and the intelligentsia. I think university students were classed as the intelligentsia. So we went down there and played recorders, violins, and sang ballads. Okay. First poem, Ballads at Manifolds. I remember you, Kath, the quiet woman sat with Kate on a bench at Manifolds, 
are mandolins. These Saturdays, the Wynnum River, those Saturdays, the Wynnum River Flats, a hawk circling, the ballads scored for guitar, violin, recorder, lagophone. Oh, friends, still lit and live 60 years on. John full-throated, hailing the comrades in, workers, students, blacks. But that wasn't your scene. Just a few times I fronted your shy smile, your frank laughter. Slim woman in a pleated skirt. Surely Black Alice's jolly sneers snagged your pride. Being bossed to play, even friendly bossing, stirred a century's hurt. Your cause and your course clear, you were off through the weatherboard suburb to the bay and out to the islands. Your people waiting there in want of words, you with the words to say. Next poem, Amity. Amity was the first boat to call at Stradbroke. Um, and this is about naming. It was the first name given to a part of the island. Amity, a ship under sail, a sighting, a sandy beach, offers its point to the neighbour island, offers a watering place, a safe station on the way to the redoubtable mainland on the horizon across the bay. A ship at anchor, meetings, entry to the island's forest, its game, its people. A fair prospect needing a name. Amity, a place apart, a site for quarantine. Nearby at Dunwich shall be stalled and provisioned society's refuse. Leprous, drunken, delinquent. As for the natives, oh, supervision, omission, rations, benefits of civilization, religion, decency in dress, training for some kind of service, and no one should have to hear their benighted gibberish. They were forbidden to speak their own language. Uteru chose her name. In middle age, she chose to be called Uteru rather than Kath Walker. Mysteriously, the new knuckle persevere. Years of rules, prayers, lessons, labor, Still the children trap bandicoot, go crabbing, bring down birds like the old folk time out of mind. The fishers of dugong harvest the tides, scavenge timber cast up in the mangroves. Later, a crumbling slope of sand. The bay swallows boats and kiosks, scours the shoreline. Amity's heart beats on. After the war, the ferry's back to wake the bush retreat of loners, misfits, missioners, handymen and their women, making do, running the post, the bakery, the new hall, the holiday cabins, improvising a community. Myora, they call the mission, but the blacks reach back to the real name. And dads tell their kids the indigenous creation, the discipline of kinship with snake and curlew, Language wears away, but the names go on, and stories nest in the people. In city offices, there are children who've run from Bunyip in the dark, who know a great love clothed the silky oak, whose mission names hardly fit. Like young Kath, 
after the freedom buses, the referendum, after the first Indigenous season of land, after the years as maid stenographer, after the poems critics called naive, uneducated, wisdom they'd no ears for, the girl named for paperback crosses the bay, returns to kin and country, claims her name. Uh, the final poem's called Moon Galba, which is about the place. <laughs> place holds the people. They wander, making a life. Place is inside them, staking its claims, reserving its treasures. What place? Maybe the space by a mother, between her bed and the wall, or the backyards of a childhood. It may be an endless plain with its secrets for living. For Ujuru, the green island in the sea's embrace, Majereba, miscalled Stradbroke. The grove, Moongalba, miscalled Mayora for the length of a colonial season. Mother, worker, activist, time remakes her, elder and teacher in the sitting down place, Moongalba. The claims of place find me, recover old ways in the finding, the gift. Generations, voices longed for, paths of old retraced, surprising radiance of then new skies. The girl named for paperback outlives the cities and honours, outlives anger. Her work is words that outlive even injustice. Ujuru gathers lore from the bush thickets, from the tellers of tales, from a childhood remembered. At the sitting down place she rears tree trunks, figured with carpet snake. Her father's clan builds a roundhouse, a shelter to welcome people. A place can be offered and received. Here in the roundhouse, the children sit, a ferry trip from home, and tourists wondering. The gift of place is set out, the food of life. Landscape the city supplanted, laws of the land before streets, greetings at the gatherings of peoples. Her always simple words, Tell them of brown kids picked on. Tell them of confidence gone, of lives and language taken, of anger awakened. But more, to care for creatures of foot, fin and wing, cherish the bush that greens our wandering. Together, no matter the colour of the face, make of our meetings a special place. Moon Galba. Oh, this is the final poem. <laughs> Oh, no, it isn't. There's two more. God help us. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> From the other side, I was being educated, of course, in Brisbane. The dead do not stay dead. There's your dad teaching kids still in the voice of Ujuru. For punishment, putting the kids on cut-and-dried mission rations. That's unsurprising news of the habit of white contempt. From the other side. On both sides of the bay, kids were empire-bred. Sainted and uh, saluted and sang God save and marched into school. Foreigners, natives, suburban, suburban talk assured us they weren't much good, were placed on earth to be ruled by us, who knew nothing of you on the other side. But you, Ujuru, you refused to be nullified. 
You heard the put-downs. You saw what a sneer could do. You mourned what was going. You spoke of making new. You stood on your land with the law. You lived as proof of title. You asked us across to sit side by side. That was what she did. She invited people across to hear about the law of the new knuckle at Moon Galba. School kids and all sorts of people. The last thing is a strange thing I recalled. I'm sure I'd been to or seen Kath's funeral, Uja's funeral. Did I see it on television? How did I know about it? And then I checked my diary. I'd been at the Warana Brisbane Writers Festival on the day of her funeral, and I was taken down to the island by uh, University of Queensland Press, who published me. So I was at her funeral, and I remembered how it looked perfectly well. The dark clearing. Here is the shady clearing of honour and farewell. Here the new knuckle, neighbours, and visitors off the ferry. Here the piling of branches, long home for her large life, hailed now a hero. Funeral games are on promise. The sorry pronouncements. The treaty. True amity. The intermingling. Here is the woman abased who spoke from a high place, found words against hate, who denying suspicion and separation harboured laws for living. Curlew, cousin, have you called the three nights warning? Yet this is no death. Flowers are scattered, words uttered, the body passes. Poet and teacher, her place murmurs of her in sea winds, the surf mounting the beaches down to the dire rip of jumping pin. The leaf-thick paths, the shadowy glade, the glancing lights of bark-shedding bush are the smile of the girl named for paper bark. You saw beyond the going to the growing back, to amity achieved, always the people meeting at the roundhouse at the sitting-down place, Moongalba. more short ones. I published one a short time ago in The Age, you may have seen, it's about Nola Hjorth. She was the most distinguished printmaker from Melbourne, though she ended up in Adelaide, and uh, she died recently. Nola, mother and maker, after 40 years I'm still warmed by your life force. That's what you're on about, isn't it? Tantric invocations, endless imaging and magic from old elegance, your new home's hall. And I warm to recall how you inked up and lay down full length, yourself the plate, a dish upturned for reverse copy, and marked the paper with your own body. A sacrament, if you like, great print. Now the body lies betrayed, loving and feasting set aside, but the prints are printed, an immortal print of life lived, of warmth never stinted. And finally, a poem of mourning for a shirt. Yellow shirt. The shirt I love is on the way out. The shirt from R.M. Williams. A man's shirt, buttoning left over right. Mustard yellow, never my colour. Buttoned hem to neck, neck and the cuffs with a pocket, yay. 
Years back, it frayed at neckline and wrists. I found brown bias binding I hand-sewed over all those faithless fringes. Soft and light, old cotton, it was trying to get away to lie down. I told it, live. <laughs> now it bows to fate like a patient the doctor saved once who reports more pain, more bleeding, more misfiring nerves. The brown binding has faded, can't contain floating threads, amended tear. Soon there'll be five yellow dusters, reserved for French polish, fine tasks, nothing mean for this worthy among shirts. The buttons begin their long wait for a shirt as fine, a yellow shirt. And that was the voice of Judith Rodriguez uh, reading her own poetry at the 3CR fundraiser at Hares and Hyenas at the end of May. Um, you've been listening to the Spoken Word program and we're on every Thursday morning from 9 to 9.30. And I thought in honour of the poetry for Ujuru Nunakal, we'd go out with a track from a CD by Gurumul called Rakala.
Kill, kill, kill.